It was the best of times, it was the blurst of times. <laughs> we don't support nearly killing people. Yeah. The Maitlands are shitty ghosts. I myself am strange and unusual. October. It is October that we are recording this episode and you are listening to the... Well, you could be listening anytime. Yeah. It's Halloween season, baby. I'm, I'm feeling... I'm feeling ready. I'm feeling pumpkin spice. I'm feeling pumpkin pie. It is definitely October right now. It's 100% for sure October. So many things have happened... Between August and now? Yeah. Remember when it was August? It feels like it was only yesterday that it was August. It feels like it was August today, even. It, but it's not. It's October. It is feeling very Augusty today. Can't believe it's already Halloween. Term's already started at the university. Yeah. The coronavirus has been cured. Yeah, it's been cured. Vaccines for days. Everything's so great. I have had uh, surgery to get... Uh, an arm popping out of my stomach. Yeah, that's a thing now. It was free robot surgery in early September. It's amazing how many things have happened since since August when we're not recording this. Yeah, we're not. Why? Why would we be recording it in August before the days of virtual reality cinema? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like. And it would, it would have been kind of weird if we just, like, sat around in the middle of August and watched Beetlejuice, when that's not the time to watch Beetlejuice. Exactly. No, we pulled up to the drive-in in our hover car in early October, and we watched Beetlejuice, the <laughs> yeah. drive-in theater, with all the people, because we were cured of the coronavirus. Yeah, I kissed so many people today. I've made out with everyone in this in this theater. Yeah, isn't it weird how quickly we got used to kissing as a form of greeting? Just open mouth instead of instead of handshakes. I guess it's just what we were all craving. Yeah. You know, after so long. Mm-hmm. It was a bit like that picture of the sailor and the nurse from After the War. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just I've except been... everyone is making that pose in the painting. Yeah, and <laughs> and I've been the sailor, I've been the nurse. Yeah. Haven't we all? (laughs) One time I've been both a sailor and a nurse. (laughs) But I don't like to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit awkward, but we were all adjusting. It was an embarrassing moment, but you know. Listeners, you remember adjusting to the open mouth kissing period of greeting. Well, the great thing about the the, the quarantine period is that it's reduced all other viruses to there's no STIs anymore. Yep. Because everyone was very good and didn't and didn't pork <laughs> every in the, in the interim. Yeah, <laughs> everyone was so good, and that's how we've gotten the the f- flying car utopia we live in today. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay is the president of the United States. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy for him. I thought at the time when he announced it in like early September, I was like, this seems random. And also, you're not a U.S. citizen, I don't think, but... Uh, you have to be born in the U.S. to be the president, but yeah. he did find a loophole that if you have over 15 restaurants in a country, you can be president of that country. And if that's not a lesson to us all, I don't know what is. <laughs> Ronald McDonald could be the pre- Is Ronald McDonald 
a true born American. He, since Ronald McDonald is a clown, and we learned from the documentary film It 2 that clowns are in fact parasitic alien monsters. Spoiler. I don't think Ronald McDonald is an American. I think he may have crashed in the same spaceship as Pennywise. Interesting. And really, who has caused more, more, more harm to kids? Pennywise, who eats children, or Ronald McDonald, who leaves small plastic toys in his boxes of snacks <laughs> for children to eat and choke on? Ronald McDonald terrified me as a kid. There was outside the McDonald's in the, the town I grew up in, there was a bench with, like, a plastic Ronald McDonald with his arm around the other half of the bench so you could, like, sit on it. Oh, I've seen those. I was not a fan. It upset me. Did you not want to be friends with the clown? I did not want to be friends with the clown. Oh, it's not very charitable of you. It's not very neighborly of me, I know. Ronald has built a life for himself here on planet Earth. <laughs> he had to hustle hard. Yeah. Pull himself up by the bootstraps. By the bootstraps of his big red clown shoes. Yeah. And then you don't sit next to him when he's so generously offering when you very cheap chicken nuggets. Sitting sitting on a bench with a rictus grin beckoning me forward. I think no. <laughs> that was back in the day when McDonald's were like all it was all like marketing for kids inside and mm. there were loads of toys everywhere and stuff like that and it was a little um drop the penny in and they go around in a big spiral sort yeah, of charity yeah, thing. Yeah. But as we were talking about the other day when we went into a McDonald's, they've now, at least in our two countries, gone for a more sort of like rustic, like farm to table aesthetic, which yeah. is high and mighty for McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, it is. They've decided they're a bistro now. Yeah. I know the aesthetic, it was very interesting because McDonald's took on that aesthetic about the same time Tim Hortons did in Canada. For the listeners who don't know what this is, this is a shitty cafe. <laughs> I don't believe that. It's a good cafe. It's a, It's like, it's like if Costa Coffee didn't care as much, but had better donut options. I think that's fair, yeah. It's a bit like if Greg's and Costa got married and had a baby. I think that's correct, yeah. Because usually now, if I'm in Canada and I'm getting on an airplane um, because the coronavirus is cured because it's October. Yes. I would go to a Tim Hortons, i get a coffee, i get a bagel. If I'm getting on an airplane in the UK, I'm going to a Costa to get a coffee. I'm You're going, going to, to a Pret-a-Manger. I'm going to a Pret-a-Manger, but... It, that's a fully different experience. Oh yeah, Pret a Manger is a different vibe from Costa, but and you do lose more money at a Pret. If I'm trying to recreate the Tim Hortons bagel and a coffee experience, I'm getting a sausage roll from Greg's. I'm getting a coffee from Costa. Right. Yeah. It's the same level of portable, same sort of vibe, but I have to go to two separate places, which is why I just changed my whole deal and started going to Pret a Manger, <laughs> where I can get a coffee and food in the same place. Yes. You could just go to a McDonald's where they have McFlurries. But I've told you about my feud with Ronald just now. And to be fair, I, I have gone off McFlurries since a dear friend of ours, Kristen Simmons, who's undoubtedly listening. Hello, Kristen. Hi, Kristen, friend of the podcast. Told me that there's all crushed up cockroaches inside the McFlurry machines. Did you know, you know you get those crazy spoons when you get a McFlurry? They look sort of like a, like a box. I've never had a McFlurry. 
Joe, listener, you know how uh, you get these crazy spoons with a McFlurry that look like a box? The reason that they're so mechanical looking is because they are stuck into the McFlurry machine and are used to to whisk the McFlurry ice cream. And then the, um, I don't know what they're called, the McDonald's barista. <laughs> what are they called, McMeesters? I don't think that's what they're called. Because in Subway, they're sandwich artists. Yeah. Uh, it's not baristas. It might be baristas now. The cause... McDonald's barista will snap it off and put it in your pot. I love a McFlurry. Here's I... what I get at McDonald's. I get a chicken wrap. Mm-hmm. A chicken chili wrap. Mm-hmm. People are like, that's not what you get from McDonald's, but I think it's good. And I get a McFlurry. And I get a coffee. I had McDonald's for the first time in like 10 years. Two days ago. Well, not two days. Two months ago now. It feels like two days ago. But yeah. two months ago in August. It would be two days ago where we were recording this episode in August, which, yeah. listener, we're not. <laughs> we're not doing that. Why would we? When we were, were traveling in the UK and there was no Tim Hortons for me to get a coffee and a bagel at. But before that, it had been, yeah, it had been about a decade since I've been to a McDonald's. I'm also lactose intolerant, so McFlurry is not a, a good vibe for me. No. Also, the cockroaches. Also, the cockroaches. Added protein. It's true. But also the dairy. And the the disease. The dairy is what really, really does it for me. Listeners, this podcast is not sponsored by McDonald's, but if McDonald's wants to throw some of that, that sweet McCafe money our way, I would not say no. I don't think they will, because we've been talking about how there's cockroaches in the McFlurry machines. Well... And how Ronald McDonald's caused children to choke. Well, we're just... just lovable scamps. In the interest of fairness, one of my favourite... or, okay, not favourite, my most... one of my most frequently visited Starbucks in Vancouver recently got done for having cockroaches in the bakery bit. No. Yeah, down, down near the mall, near the... Pacific Mall, what's it called? Oh, I don't know. The, the one in the centre of town. Yeah. There's a McDonald's opposite. And I've sometimes hung around there waiting to get a bus to go to the mountains. Mm-hmm. Or, like, waiting for a coach or something. Mm-hmm. So, I've not... Maybe it would be, like, once every month or once every two mm-hmm. months. I'd just be like, you know what? I've got ten minutes before this bus is going to come. I'm going to get a coffee and I'm going to get a pastry and eat that pastry on my way to the hike. Mm-hmm. Little did I, did I know, I was also eating cockroach, because oh. that's where the cockroaches live, oh. in that Starbucks. So McDonald's and Starbucks both got slam dunked in this episode. Yeah. Not going to stop me going to Starbucks again. You know what they have in Canada at Starbucks? These really nice fudge flapjack, chocolate fudge flapjacks. They do not have them here. For uh, for the Canadians, the flapjacks does not mean pancakes. It, it means, uh, like, squares, like a Nanaimo bar. Not like a Nanaimo. It's more like a granola bar, the but, little but better. Baked squares. For, for the, the Brits listening, Canadians, for some reason, call flapjacks pancakes, even though they've got a word for pancakes, and that's pancakes. Flapjacks is like American pancakes, but because we, we are so close to America, we must be fluent in American. So you're saying the flapjack word comes from the States? I don't know that for sure, but that's the only time I've seen it on a menu, and it's meant pancakes. I don't want to stir shit so early in this episode. 
I don't want to be stirring shit. But biscuits and gravy. <laughs> One time I got biscuits and gravy as a meal in, in Canada, replicating the American biscuits and gravy meal. We, we can't and be I, sure how well that was being replicated in No, but Canada. even still, <laughs> it's very different to what... Now, granted, what I know as biscuits and gravy would not go well together. Gravy is like a sort of meat sauce, like a brown, hot, meaty meat sauce. <laughs> How else am I meant to describe it? It's a load of meat. Beef juice. Beef juice. You get chicken juice, you get turkey juice. Yeah. And you get, oh god, I love it. I could chug, I could chug a pint of gravy right now. Oh god. Oh. And biscuits are like... You, you might call them cookies. Sweet biscuits. Sweet little hard, like hobnobs. And in America, biscuits and gravy is a scone covered in spunk. <laughs> I'm going to get someone from Texas being like, I, I have listened to this podcast for a dang long time, rootin' tootin'. And I've had it with their disrespect to biscuits and gravy. American biscuits and gravy is quite good. Uh, yeah, I just it's just confusing like... how it's different. I'm not saying anyone needs to fix it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate I really like how it's different. But the first time I had it, I was like, what? My expectations were bad, so it was an improvement on what I thought the biscuits <laughs> you, and gravy would be. Which you thought was a bowl of, of beef juice and on a chocolate some, chip and some cookie. <laughs> But like, but <laughs> the two ingredients of biscuits and gravy are just totally between our two countries. Yeah. It tasted fine, but it does look like a scone spit on. <laughs> Am I wrong? I haven't, I, I've had, like, biscuits as in, like, things that, like, savory scones, um, with gravy as in beef juice. Um, I haven't had the, like, sort of grayish American gravy. I've never, never tried that. Mm. To counterbalance things, just to, to, so people don't think that I'm just completely shit-talking American food cuisine here, I'm going to list some things that I like from your continent. Everything's got peanut butter on it. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> Key lime pie. Like a sort of burger. <laughs> barbecue sauce. Big mm. fan of that. Yeah. I assume barbecue chicken pizzas came from America. Yeah. And I respect that because they wouldn't do that in Italy. They'd be like, <laughs> no, 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 that's not, that wouldn't go on this pizza. But Americans are like, we don't care. We'll put anything on a pizza. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I think Coca-Cola floats with ice cream. It's a very novel idea, which I quite like. Is that not a thing here? In American diners. American style <laughs> diners, yes. <laughs> I've been to one American-style diner in Scotland, and it's very funny. (laughs) Also, all the people that I was with in the American-style diner thought that diners... It was, like, with the white, black-and-white checked floor and the sort of red booths. Thought that that was made up, that it wasn't, like, a real thing, that diners existed. They just sound like dumbasses. (laughs) Like no, they're they look exactly like this, except without the giant statue of Elvis in the corner. Yeah, there's always a giant statue of Elvis. <laughs> Sometimes there's a Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah. I went to um, an a, a, an American diner in America, which I found amazing in the town of Pig in Kentucky, where we were doing some field work 
in some caves mm-hmm. and no one else was in the diner when we were there on Sunday morning because there was still the whole town was in church. Yeah. And then it was like some scruffy Canadians and two Brits like <sighs> covered caked in mud from being in the cave in there and then everyone else came in and they were like who are these people? <gasps> but it was really nice in there. Mm-hmm. They had breaded catfish. That's mm, a good time. That is good. I must have had bits, biscuits and gravy there. It was a buffet, so I probably wouldn't have not clocked that it said. It's like I probably would have been like, mmm, some scones. Yeah. And some spunky sauce. <laughs> Put that on my catfish. Bacon, there were sausages. It was a good time. Mm. Had a massive, massive milkshake for breakfast. <laughs> the, a milkshake as big as my head for breakfast. We watched Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a podcast about films. We cover <laughs> uh, nostalgic movies. <laughs> oh yeah, weren't we gonna... It's been a month since we've... Two months actually since we've officially started doing official introductions because it's October. It, it has And been. this is not the third time we've tried to do it. This is like the tenth. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> so, apologies. Yeah, we're a podcast. We, we, we watch uh, movies and sometimes TV shows from... Our childhood from other people's childhoods, and uh, revisit the content, and we determine if the content is is blessed or cursed, or in the strange twilight zone that we like to call blessed. Yeah. And welcome to our Halloween month, because Ooh. it's October and it's Halloween month. Exactly. It's very. I, I looking outside the window right now. I can see the pumpkins are hopping, the ghouls are ghouling. <laughs> yeah. The the leaves are turning. It's definitely not August. It's definitely not August. It's time to talk about Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, shit. Oh, oh shit. Look at what you've done. I just was contemplating. Now I invited him on the show. Into into our show, into our home. Did you learn nothing? No, clearly not. <gasps> oh, heck. Ah. Oh, no. Neither of us wanted Beetlejuice here. Here he is right now. Listeners. Hey, it's me, Beetlejuice. <laughs> the demon from... I think I'm a demon. I don't think you're a demon. <laughs> I think you're a poltergeist. The demon from hell. <laughs> I don't think you're a demon from... Listeners, we're going to have to deal with Beetlejuice. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. Look what you did. <laughs> this guts all over the place. Just all over. I just cleaned the kitchen. Well, you know, you also wanted to decorate for Halloween this October, because we're in October, and I I feel like the demon guts from hell on the wall (laughs) (laughs) definitely contribute to the spooky ambiance. The way you enunciated that was like, hell on the wall is the name of a quaint English village. (laughs) (laughs) It's by a river somewhere, and there's a small church. <laughs> and a rectory that's been turned into a cafe. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in northern England. Yeah. Somewhere near Durham, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well. Clotted cream and scones are phenomenal in Hell on the Wall. Yeah. Clotted cream, and instead of using jabby, you use demon guts from hell. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of friends of the podcast in the movie Beetlejuice. So many. 
a disturbing amount, really. So we we had um, Alec Baldwin yeah. looking like a child. Okay, I'm going to say it. Alec Baldwin, as a ghost in this movie, looked quite hot. I just, I know you said it while we were watching it, and I get that he's, like, in his, like, late 20s, I don't know, early 30s, whatever, mm-hmm. and he's got nerdy glasses and a plaid shirt on, but I just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. More for me. It's fair. It's all, he's all yours. We're not gonna fight over young Alec Baldwin. No, we're not. We also had... Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder from... Fresh from Heathers. From Heathers. We had Gina Davis from Stuart Little. We had Tim Burton, the director, fresh from Charlie. Yeah. And The Chocolate Factory. The Chocolate Factory as well, yes. Um, Whole kit and caboodle. (laughs) Both Charlie and his Chocolate Factory. Spoiler alert, he gets the Chocolate Factory at the end. We had uh, we had our our good old old friend Danny Elfman on the on the pipe organ for the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Danny Elfman on kazoo. We had this guy who plays Beetlejuice. Uh, Michael Keaton, fresh from the Batman episode. Um, Batman, yeah. And we had the familiar sense of cringe and horror, fresh from most of the things we've watched. <laughs> so really. This was a Cursed or Blur special from the beginning. Yeah. And it's one of those movies that I, I've only watched, well, twice now. And I couldn't quite remember what it was from the first time that I watched it that made me feel deeply uneasy down to my soul. <laughs> I watched it... Um, it's one of those ones that's always on TV in, in Canada around Halloween. I think I watched it all the way through at least once, but then actively avoided it and couldn't remember why. <laughs> I remember now. Yeah. We all remember eventually. What's the concept of Beetlejuice? What is the what is the 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 setup? Well, we've got a big old house on a hill with a young couple that's just moved in. They're the Maitlands. Re- the Maitlands are renovating Barbara the house. And Alan. Alec Baldwin. I think it's Alan, Alan isn't it? Mark. <laughs> Barb and Mark. <laughs> the yeah. Maitlands. Um, are renovating this, this big old house. There's a real estate agent who is, for some reason, trying to get them to buy the house. They've clearly just bought to tell them how much they could make for it on the market. It's confusing. She never really comes up again yeah, past she, the initial... She's just there to imply that the house should really belong to somebody with a family, and they... It's implied they can't have children, children of yeah. their own. So... But they're not that phase. Like, they're like, we're good. We like our model train set upstairs. We're gonna do some things to the house. Mm-hmm. Got some projects we want to work on. Let's go to the model sh- model shop. Yeah, so they roll right into town. They critically go to a model shop called the Maitland's Model Shop. Yeah. So do they own it? Do doesn't they, seem that way. It doesn't seem that they own it, but it is called that. They get their stuff. They get back in the car. And then on the way back to the house, there's a dog in the road. And they swerve to avoid the dog. And they go through the inside wall of a covered bridge. And the car 
uh, crashes into the river. And then we get a really lingering, slow lingering shot of a dog that's done a murder. Yeah, the dog just watching. I'm glad we have an, an evil dog on this podcast. Yeah. I know the dog didn't mean to do it, but it still did it. The dog did manslaughter. <laughs> yeah, because the dog is in the road, and then... We always get cats as the bad guys in this podcast. It's not fair. Then after the car crashes through the covered bridge, it's, like, half hanging off the bridge, and there's, like, one piece of wood that's, like, a teeter-totter that the car is on, and the dog is on the other end. And they look at the dog, and the dog looks at them and jumps off the board and walks away, and the car crashes into the river. And then if that teaches you anything, it's don't trust dogs on bridges. Yeah. Dogs anywhere else, fine. But not on bridges. On a bridge. They shouldn't be loose up there. No. Well, and that's the end of the movie, they're dead at the end. Yep. It was a really short movie, and that was quite odd. <laughs> um, no, they're, they're back at the house, very disoriented. They don't realize they're dead they're straight like, away. They're soaking wet and... Yeah. yeah. They left a book. A book is out, like the, the handbook for the recently deceased. And they're mm. like, guess we're dead then. And they they stumble into... Well, the, the handbook t- uh, gives very loose information about... Stuff they can and can't do as ghosts. But they seem to, like, skip through it and not read all of it. No. Yeah. And then, if the timeline is correct, like, the next day... There's been a funeral. Okay. There's there's been a time jump. Right. There's been a funeral because they look at... But they've only come two in in the long run. Right, right. So for them, it's the next day, but chronologically, it's been a month or so. Or at least a few weeks. Usually, like, within the week, you'd think. Well, maybe not. I think they mentioned it's been a few weeks. Oh. Well, at any rate, the house has been sold by the real estate agent who will never appear again. Good, because I hate her. Uh, She had no respect for the dead as Little Snake. And uh, a family moves in. Winona Ryder and her parents... Her father, who seems to be wanting to get away from it all in in New York to move to the country. And her mother, who is a sculptor. Heavily implied in the show to be a stepmother. Because she... Okay, first of all, just for context, there's a Beetlejuice musical that got popular before the Rona, when it got cancelled. But... uh, I have listened to the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and in that, it's very clear that this woman is the stepmother of Lydia, mm-hmm. Winona Ryder's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the movie, it's not said so much, but I think there's enough implied. Uh, Lydia always calls her by her name, Delia, instead of yeah. mum. Mm-hmm. Her dad always overemphasizes, like, go go talk to your mum, and she's always like, Argh, when he says that. Yeah. And she, Delia, the stepmom, says, says, makes jokes to him like, um, when I married you, it was because it is you said this and that. And sure, they might have been married, like, ages ago. I think it's implied in the movie heavily, although not stated outright, that, that she's married in recently. Yeah, in, I think I think that's fair. That, like, it, she's married in recently enough that there is... There's already a bit of bad blood between her and Lydia. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not right after the wedding, but, like, 
Yeah, I think you're right that there is enough to imply that she's she's Lydia's stepmother and that there's tension. In the musical, the Lydia's mum has very recently died. Mm-hmm. And it's a very quick wedding. The dad to Delia. Mm-hmm. So there's more beef there. So I think that's an improvement. Because it's like in the movie, we're never like quite sure. It's like, I'm pretty, I'm like 95% sure yeah. they're not like blood relations. Mm-hmm. But... I've, I'm coming in from, like, more fresh musical yeah. explicitness. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption to make of the movie. So she she's a sculptor and she wants to make big changes to the house. She's got her live-in assistant, an assistant from New York who's just, like, hanging out with them. What's he called? Oh, yeah. Greg. Let's just call him Greg. Greg. <laughs> and so they're like going and changing a bunch of things and the Maitlands who are ghosts in their own home are like the heck they're modernizing this house they're making everything ugly this is awful so they draw a, a, a door in the wall with some chalk because the handbook told them to and it allows them to enter the portal to the underworld mm-hmm. where they meet their caseworker Juno mm-hmm. who says that I can legally assist you moving on to the next life or whatever. It's going to take 150 years, 250 years? Something like that. A long-ass time. In the interim, your ghosts just scare the people that live there. Mm -hmm. And what follows is the most frustrating sequence, the most frustrating montage in cinematic history as they fail to be effective ghosts. The Maitlands are shitty ghosts. They are so, so bad at it. The people who move into the house cannot see them, except for Lydia. Who yep. they, they later find out Lydia can see them. But the all the adults can't see the ghosts. So they're like, okay, I guess we will do scary things. The Maitlands quickly find out that they can do a whole bunch of stuff as ghosts. So we never see them learn what these powers are, but they can like take off their heads or like contort their faces weirdly or take out their eyes. Yeah. And they do a bunch of these things and like arrange themselves in macabre poses in rooms. And obviously the people who moved in can't see them at all. Yeah. So just keep walking past. And here's the thing. Sometimes the Maitlands are able to like move things around. Mm-hmm. They're like move sheets around or move items in the ga- in the attic around. I don't know what the exact rules on that are, but they, they can pick some things up. Yeah. And here's what I would do. If I were a ghost that couldn't be seen, mm-hmm. but could move things, I would wait till someone was in a bath. You know how people are in a bathtub? Yeah. And they sort of, like, are closing their eyes because they're so relaxed. Yeah. And I'd slowly fill the bath with ramen noodles. <laughs> then they'd notice something. <laughs> they'd notice something was up. And then I'd take some noodle strings for later, mm-hmm. and then spell out on the, um, on, on the mirror... <laughs> I'm a ramen ghost, bitch. <laughs> and they're like, oh no. I'd have to hope that there was ramen in the house. Yeah, because the Maitlands can't leave the house. Anytime they leave, they end up in like a desert wasteland full of giant worms trying to eat them. But they must there must be spaghetti or pasta or, or noodles of some you kind. You slowly fill a bath with. Um, Rice. I- Nothing as exciting as ramen noodles, though. What would you do if you were a ghost that couldn't be seen? Well, see, I think they really underestimate how annoying they could be. They, 
like sit in a rocking chair at one point and rock it so like they can interact with the physical space I would just be like tossing stuff off shelves like anyone sits down I'm like pulling the book out of their hand I'm like ripping the pages into confetti and just blowing them at their <laughs> face I'm taking like hardback dictionaries and just chucking them across the room yeah like no, they don't do any of these things they don't even like press shift on their computer <laughs> yeah just sit there and press shift so once when I was in high school, when I was in high school, the smart board was being introduced as a concept. So mm. only like two or three teachers in the school had one um, and they were all very bad with it. And we had one in our chemistry classroom and the, the teacher would use it pretty much constantly, but everything would take about four times as long as it should because he wouldn't just write it on the chalkboard. He had to like pull up notes on smart board or whatever. <laughs> During one of the, uh, during lunch break, the door to the chemistry lab was left open and one of my friends had a wireless mouse, the guy who sat beside me in class, and he plugged the key fob of his wireless mouse into the smart board in the back where the, <laughs> the teacher couldn't see. Um, and we had chemistry right after that. And every time we went to touch something on the on the smart board, my friend would push the mouse and the, the cursor would move and click something different. And he'd like recalibrate the smart board like oh, again and again. Um, cursor or blesser. <laughs> and we did that the entire class. That is more sophisticated than the pranks that we'd pull in my chemistry and biology class, which was throwing a malt loaf around. <laughs> just opening a bag of malt loaf, waiting for the teacher to leave the room, and then just hurling it around the classroom. <laughs> One time, it we, we sliced it and covered both sides with butter and just, like, <laughs> shurikened them around the room. People were getting slapped in the face by, like, buttery malt loaf. The japes we had as children... Both of these things would be perfectly viable ghost activities. Yeah. Messing with their computer, messing with their food, throwing things, filling their bathtub with ramen noodles. I don't I don't know. You could set up like a really elaborate tea party on the table. You could upend all their potted plants. Yeah. The the Delia brings in a whole lot of sculptures that seem pretty fragile. They don't even try to break one. They don't, and they don't like them. They're trying to scare these people away from their house. They're not trying to d to hurt them. But like, it's like the first thing they do after they're like, "Oh shit, yeah, we can't be seen. Let's just put sheets over our head and wander around and go they even cut holes in the sheets for their eyes, but it's like, they can't see your eyes. Yeah, Lydia can see them and she's like, sick, bunch of ghosts in the house. This is interesting. And they're like, wow, um, the handbook only says that, that strange and unusual people can see ghosts. And she's like, I myself am strange and unusual. And then that line alone makes me think, fucking hell, Lydia. Lydia, Lydia this deets. movie is played by 13-year-old Shannon. Absolute edgelord. She's an edgy little goth. I think she's kind of what you get if you crossed Veronica from Heathers with Wednesday Adams. She's, okay, and I'm just going to be obnoxious again. It, in the movie, she's quite annoying because... There's not much of a reason for her to be pissed off other than she's been a teenager that's been uprooted. Mm. And maybe her new stepmom's annoying her, but in the in in the musical it's way more explicit. Like 
it starts with her mum dying and her dad is just trying to like barrel on trying mm. to like continue his life and remarry and stuff and she's like ah uh, you're not respecting mama's memory and her main goal in the musical i think if i'm listening mm. to the soundtrack correctly is to travel into the underworld to save her mum mm-hmm. but in the movie it's like sick some ghosts i guess Yeah, the movie implies a couple of times that she's depressed, but it doesn't really develop that plot at all. No. You could miss it really easily because it's mentioned slash implied so sparsely. Yeah. Like, kind of once at the beginning where her father's like, you are miserable in New York and you'll be miserable here. And then once sort of later on, but it's like, I don't think it's put in enough to even be considered a motivation or characterization for Lydia, because the movie just kind of, like, tosses it in there as, like, this is why she's wears black, I guess. Speaking of tossing it in, we've been ignoring the demon from hell in the room. Oh, God. Beetlejuice. He's been leaving some subtle hints for the Maitlands that he he's a, a bioexorcist, mm-hmm. so he'd be able to get rid of living people from a space, mm-hmm. as opposed to the reverse. He's a little demon from hell, and he wants to help the Maitlands, but he's, they've been warned by their caseworker that Beetlejuice is a little shit. Yeah. They've been told. He's and- disgusting. He's a perv. Yeah. He's constantly ogling Barbara and, like, touching her butt. Yeah. The first time they see him, he starts... So the Maitlands have, like, a little model town in the the attic room where they, they've locked the attic room so that the, the people who've just moved in can't get in. And that's kind of their hideout. And Mark, Mr. Maitland, has a model of the town up there. And Beetlejuice is, like, living in it at the beginning, as he's trying to convince them to summon him properly. They shrink down into the town at one point to, like, dig him out of a grave in the tiny graveyard. That was a mistake. That That was was their first mistake. They shouldn't have done it. Played by Michael Keaton in the makeup of Heath Ledger's Joker and the general attitude of the cat in the hat. But he's also got gangrene. Yes. And has I don't I don't even really know how to describe his general demeanor. It's like have you ever been on a night out and at the end of the evening there's this the most drunk guy in the room is stumbling out of, uh, out of the club, and you can just he's not been sick yet but you can smell the sick he's about to be sick with seeping from his pore like I could smell Beetlejuice. Mm. But just watching the movie. Yeah. Like, he, he looks like he smells of vomit. Yeah. And all that he might at any minute. He looks like he's died of disease. Yeah. He mentioned surviving the plague, so it might not be the plague. But we said he'd live through the plague. Yeah. He looks like he's got the plague, basically. He looks like he's got the plague, got dressed up as the Joker, yeah. and then been out to the club and is leaving the club at 5am. Yeah. He's on his way to get chips. That's exactly what he looks like. And he's awful. He doesn't really properly show up until midway through the movie. Like, we got through quite a lot of this movie thinking, like, maybe this isn't cursed at all. (laughs) This is quite fun. I'm enjoying this. And then he shows up and we were both like, 
Oh, uh, yeah. I remember why I hated this. <laughs> <laughs> so the Maitlands have met him and decided, actually, we don't want to summon him. Yeah. Let's leave that and, and, and deal with this problem ourselves. But he meets Lydia. Yeah. He, tr- he nearly kills her dad by turning into a monster. He's like a big snake. A sort of snake giraffe demon head man yeah and then the Midlands are like whoa 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 we don't support nearly killing people yeah but he's sort of like wormed his way into Lydia's head that he can that he can help what what ends up happening is the Maitlands try to their their sort of last ditch scare effort is revealing yet another hidden ghost power at a, a dinner party that the Delia and husband Lydia's parents are yeah. um, throwing by like possessing the people in the party and making them dance and sing at the party and then everyone at the party is like oh my god this house is haunted let's do an exorcism this will be great for tourism and the the parents like set up a whole nother party that has they promise people that they have ghosts in the house and when they do summon the maitlands whatever the exorcism is is doing something terrible to them they're like turning skeletal and that's when lydia summons beetlejuice who says he can help the maitlands she's met him before yeah but now she's like desperate times call for desperate measures yeah because if they if the Maitlands die of exorcism, that's like double death for ghosts, and then yeah. they're stuck in like hell, yeah. basically. Yeah. But then he turns up with the disgustingly gross plan to marry Lydia. Yeah. Lydia is like at the oldest 16. Yeah. I think she's maybe closer to 14 in the plot, though it's hard to tell. He, he puts her in like a, a bright red wedding dress and sort of manipulates her into saying things kind of and restricts everyone else in the room like pins them back with the with the sculptures yeah they can't move yeah and anytime so as we mentioned earlier the way that they summon beetlejuice is to say his name three times and that's also the way that you banish him so anytime someone tries to say his name he'll like make their mouth disappear or like you know, make a zipper appear over their mouth or whatever. Yeah. As he's trying to marry this child and everyone's trying to stop him. And they do stop him. But for the life of me, is it the worm? I feel like he banishes Barbara out into the ghost void desert and she comes in like yippee on the giant worm thing. Yes, that's what happened. And then Alec Baldwin rides on a tiny little toy car into his ankle... And then that might give one of them... Does Lydia unbanish? I don't know if they ever actually say his name three times. I think the worm just eats him. In the musical, this makes more sense. Mm. Because Lydia just kills him. That makes more sense. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also more of a ruse. I, I get the impression from the songs that it's more of a ruse, this marriage thing. Yeah. It's unsettling. And like... The way we've described it now makes it seem like Beetlejuice is a feature of the plot for very little of the movie, and that is the case. That is correct. That is technically accurate, but it feels like he's there for a hundred years. God does it. Does it ever. And then the memory of the Beetlejuice bits just resonates in my mind more than 
the fairly charming ghost japes at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the ghost japes and the, like, funny afterlife and the worms in the desert are quite cool. It's all very classic Tim Burton-esque. It's a bit like Edward Scissorhands era. Fun set design. But yeah, yeah, as soon as Beetlejuice shows up, you're like, I never want to watch this movie again. Even when he's not doing anything explicitly evil, he's just got these, like, long rambling monologues where he's making, like, he's breaking the fourth wall all the Mm. time and making these stupid asides in a way that we were talking about is a bit similar to Cat in the Hat. Yeah. But I'm going to say it less funny than the cat. I was (laughs) craving the cat craving the cat in the hat in this episode. I think the the reason this was... And Cat in the Hat remains my least favorite movie we've watched. But I think I think if Beetlejuice was in this movie start to finish, it may have rivaled Cat in the Hat. Yeah. Because he's only in like 20 minutes of it, really, I feel less awful than I did watching Cat in the Hat. Yeah. But and to be clear, this is not us being like... He... He's... A, he's, he's... We don't like this movie... Because he does bad things. Every villain does bad things. I think it's the vibe of him and the fact that there's he doesn't get... The, the plot's not resolved in a thoughtful way. Yeah. And it's just kind of gratu- gratuitously gross. Because I don't like it when people are like, oh, this content is bad because the villain's very evil. Like, yeah, of course they are. They're the villain. Yeah, it's not that he's evil. He's just gross. He's not fun to watch. He's... Yeah, he's slimy and unsettling in, I don't think, the correct way, in, like, exactly the cat in the hat sort of way, but without it being a movie for presumably younger children, like the cat in the hat was. Yes. So there was, like, slightly more, slightly more parameters around what the cat could do, whereas Beetlejuice was just a straight-up sexual predator yeah. He also had a bit of the, like, moved in in a similar way to the Grinch, to Jim Carrey's Grinch. Sort of, the, like, the weird... He was very, sort of, not glitch is not the right word, but jumpy yeah. movements. Yeah, exactly. But, which could have been effective. It could have been if he wasn't doing all the other things as well. Yeah, and, and his voice was all... Some things he'd say were just a garbled mess of croaking yeah, there were a couple of times he, like, he, he said, like, a full sentence, and I caught none of the words. And we yeah. were like, should we go back? Uh, it's fine. It's like if Marge Simpson and, like, a yapping dog <laughs> merged voices, Yeah, he would sound... Now, they tone all these characteristics down a bit in the musical. Mm-hmm. He's still gross, and he does still try to marry Lydia, mm-hmm. but... He's not consistently, like, every time he says something, saying something mm-hmm. perverted and disgusting. He's still the villain, but mm-hmm. not in, like, they've toned it down. Yeah. Which I, sorry for bringing up the musical again, but this is another interesting case of, like, when the musical has come a bit later than the mus- than, than the movie, and you can see that they've been like, this element of the plot, we should fix this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's a clear problem because, like, he's so... I get that the character's meant to be intrusive, but he completely overwhelms all of the scenes in not in a good way, in a way where you're like, please leave. (laughs) Yeah. I was enjoying this movie, (laughs) and now you're in it being gross. Yeah. So, Shannon, do you think Beetlejuice is cursed, blessed, or blessed? See, this is tricky. I was like, yeah, it is tricky. 
Because it's like, I know that the definition of blurst is like it has cursed elements. And really the only cursed element of Beetlejuice, well, okay, the significant cursed element of Beetlejuice is Beetlejuice himself. But he is the title character. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I I feel like I've got to call it cursed. And I want it to be blurst because I like the Maitland's plotline. I like a lot of elements of it. Yeah. Well, it's like when you watch Cats. Mm. You hated Cats. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've heard you listen to Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, the many cat, a time. The cat of the railway train. It was train. like the one salvageable element for you. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, is my jellical choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, I think, the opposite of that, where there's one cursed element, but it, it's... I mean, I think there's some other, like, odd bits to it. Like, I don't think they tactfully handle... If they were trying to have make Lydia depressed, they didn't handle it well. No. No, they did not. Um, and also a couple racist jokes right at the end. Right at the end there in the in the afterlife, yeah. With, like shrunken heads, it wasn't good. Yeah, that was bad. Um, I feel like they were trying to hint at some homophobic stuff with the designer. Yes. Did you notice every time he was knocked about by a ghost or a demon, they would hit him on the bum? I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh. And it was passed off as like, haha. Mmm. I don't know, I felt like his, his character yeah. was a butt of a bunch of, like, very veiled homophobic jokes. Yeah, I agree with you there. Like, he was definitely coded as gay in, in the way that you're meant to find him ridiculous, I think, is what you're yeah. meant to, to feel about him. And really, he's the only skilled exorcist yeah. in the whole group. Yeah, and then he just kind of vanishes after that point, yeah. which is weird. Yeah, I think all told, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to call it cursed. I think mm-hmm. it has blurst potential, but I'm gonna have to watch the musical to determine if if that can be fully realized. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like if I had no inf- no uh, knowledge of the musical, then I might give this a low blurst, mm-hmm. but. The musical has, because they, 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 they flesh out certain plot lines and reduce the creepiness of Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. yeah, it shows me the way the movie could have gone, and I would quite like to watch the movie version of the musical. Yeah. And then it makes the movie seem, the, the, the Maitlands and the Dietz as that plot seem very, uh, like, lacking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that would already just be a blurst for me. I'd yeah. like, fine, this is blurst, the biggest sin would the would be that they're not very good ghosts. But yeah, Beetlejuice himself for like being the main character. And I think the one that we're meant to not like, but be like, ha ha ha, what a scamp. He's meant to be the memorable feature of the movie, like Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, but right? you just want to you just want him to leave every time he comes on screen. Exactly. So I'm gonna have to say curse too. Yeah. And um because you know how it's Halloween. Yeah. Right around the corner. How many pumpkins out of ten do you uh, give to be? This is d- the this is sp- spookiness. General general Halloween good time spookiness about Halloween vibes, with zero being like let's just say some other random time of the year that's not Halloween like August. Okay. And ten pumpkins being um, Halloween town. Okay. From night before, before Christmas. Okay, I'm gonna give this. I'm going to have to go with with maybe four pumpkins. I think the Tim Burton aesthetic is what gets it the four pumpkins, Mm -hmm. because that's very Halloween-y to me. But I think the reason it doesn't get more is because... 
Beetlejuice is not frightening. He's annoying. And I think that that doesn't, it doesn't bump it over the 50% pumpkins mark for me. Yeah. It has a nice Halloween aesthetic and the ghost plot is solid, but it is overwhelmed by the main ghost character being a pain in the ass rather than in any way spooky. Yeah. What would you say? I'm going to give it a three pumpkins because it's, first of all, not even set at Halloween. That's true. Which I feel like most Halloween movies are. I don't know if this is meant to be a Halloween movie, but like Signals were doing it in October, which is what it is now. Yeah. And yeah, the aesthetic's fine. I feel like, I feel, I, now I'm not going to say, I, I, okay, I don't dislike Tim Burton stuff. But it's never really screamed Halloween to me. Mm. I'm like, whatever, with Tim Burton things. So the set design is beautiful. It's like, it's it's very, lots of very thoughtful, creative elements. But do it, does it scream Halloween to me? No. I like this as like an, it, it's an early years Tim Burton. So I think it's got a lot more flair than his later sort of, I don't want to like, I'm not railing against CGI as a concept, but Tim Burton's later CGI yeah. is all very samey. God, can you, yeah, com- compare this to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly. Like all the character skins sort of like weirdly glazed over and. Yeah. Like I think this has a lot more, f- more flair. Yeah. In time terms and energy. set design. And yeah. love has gone into the set design and I quite like the monsters Mm -hmm. like the big worm with two jaws I like that love the worm I do find it quite spooky when the Maitlands contort their faces like they like unzip their jaws and like pull them their mouths into beaks and the eyes pop out and then eyes appear on their fingers Mm -hmm. you know that's Mm -hmm. quite creative and spooky I also think Danny Elfman's soundtrack is pretty Halloween for me. I have it on a lot of my writing playlists. Yes. And I always want to put the Beetlejuice theme on a Halloween playlist. Scariest thing for me in this movie, Alec Baldwin is holding a spider for too long. Oh, he is, like, right at the beginning. Quite a big spider. And I'm like, Alec, put that down. Yeah. I can see you checking on your seat just in case a big spider's I'm on it. I'm checking for another spider. See our Emperor's New Groove episode for context on that. <laughs> see our Emperor's New Groove episode for a time that we enjoyed watching a film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping this would be another one where I enjoyed watching it. And I did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think my partner texted me about halfway through while we were, like, getting more wine, being like, how's the movie? And I was like, it's actually kind of good so far. And he was like, oh, really? Okay, enjoy. And then, like, 20 minutes later, I texted him again, being like, never mind. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Has he seen it? No, he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say Beetlejuice's name three times, because you're going to get an absolute pervo in your house just hanging around you don't want that you might get musical beetlejuice but even then you don't want him yeah around there was a cartoon of beetlejuice that i remember watching as a kid but i don't remember anything about other Mm. than the music which i quite liked yeah i wonder if that's more or less cursed I guess we'll yeah, never know. I guess we'll never know. Like, I feel like I'm not adequately inspired to find out. <laughs> if you've seen it, listeners, let us know on Instagram. Meanwhile, I rec- I really recommend the movie soundtrack. Some of the songs are a bit shit, but some of them are quite nice. Mm. A girl who plays Lydia's got a really nice voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see you for the the rest of Spooky Month, October. Yeah. Which it is now in October, not August. <laughs> We did not record this episode in August. We recorded it in October. 
August what August? I've never heard of it. Summertime? That seems strange. What a long time what a long time ago that was. Happy Halloween. Spook on troopers. 